comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. It's all connected. Everything. So, John, you travel all the way to the Super Bowl, and you are in the same building, the same facility as both Star-Lord and Chris Evans, and you can't score that exclusive interview? No, but um, apparently I was standing next to John Legend for minutes. Didn't know it was John Legend. Don't know John Legend by face until he was on the giant scoreboard singing God Bless America. And I went, oh, that Uh. guy. (laughs) <laughs> nice. Yeah, his wife's really hot, and then apparently I found out that she is a Victoria's Secret model or something. Of course. I, then I thought you were going to say fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> she was too busy calling for security. But uh, I'm glad to see that the restraining order uh, that Katy Perry had was waived. Yes, it was waived uh Or, or were you still outside the 500 yards, though? No, I was within five. Yeah, I was okay. probably when when she went above me, I was probably, I don't know, seventy yards away. That was in the uh, the more you know, sponsored by NBC Float. <laughs> yes. Don't don't lie. You you tried to look under her dress, didn't you, John? Of course, it was a skort. <laughs> How was your trip? My trip was lovely. I uh, would like it to be the Super Bowl every day. Uh, but it's not, sadly, and I uh, had a tough time getting home in the snowstorm. My car was iced in. It was a slap of reality. <laughs> but no. it's good to be here. You deserve it, you bastard. Thank you. <laughs> but this isn't Super Bowl talk. No, the Patriot fans were wicked happy, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were. Before Before we move on, so... As the game ended, was the place just absolutely insane? Insane. I, I was in the New England Patriots season ticket holder section, so it went from, you know, we're great to suicide level to we're great again in a matter of, like, four minutes real time. Now, were you on the side of the field where that last interception happened? No, I was or- on the side of the field where the man scored a touchdown and pretended to poop over the ball. <laughs> which no, which I don't think anybody saw on TV, right? They cut away quick. I didn't know. I that, don't no. recall seeing that. No. no. Yeah, there was a touchdown by Baldwin, and he started. Sp- he spun the ball on the ground like they will do often, and then he started motioning that he was like taking off his pants. And at that point, the cameras cut away, <laughs> and then he squat <laughs> over the ball. And, like, four yellow flags flew in the air, and there was a penalty. Um, And from what I understand, TV cut away way before that. But, uh, yeah, all the action was on my end except for the last play. Wow. Yeah, it was was 
something else, that's for sure. And the Seattle people are like, oh, great game, man. And the New England people are like rabid the whole game. Like I think maybe only Philly is worse than uh, New England fans. <laughs> and the Seattle guys are all hippies and so nice, and they were like just happy to be there. Nobody's worse than a Philly fan. <laughs> no. Oh. Fun exactly. time was had by all. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good, good. Good, good. I'm glad, glad to hear it. It's all connected. Oh. Episode 47. 47. I was just about to say that. Yep. In a row. <laughs> and we're uh, talking about Agent Carter, of course, but before that, we have some news to discuss. We got a little trailer. <laughs> a little trailer for a little show that's called uh, Marvel's Daredevil. Yeah, I was, I guess I will start uh, by default. It, you know, I was happy with it. I like the tone. It definitely has a PG-13 plus sort of feel. Uh, actually, what's the Netflix rating? M.A. something? Yeah, they, they, I think, use the TV ratings. So I don't, yeah, I don't know that it'll get an M.A. Because that's like um, boobies and heads getting cut off. But I think it'll be like TV PG and then they'll probably put like six different letters underneath it to tell us what's yeah. bad in it. Right. Yeah, like uh, Sons of Anarchy was like TV, M-A-L-S-V-P-C-P-L-M-N-O-P. A couple of things off the top of my head. We're getting the black costume with red piping, which is what we sort of guessed. I think the video game version is probably where that came from, right? The... Is that his um, ultimate costume as well? I know I saw screenshots yeah. of a video game that had that costume. Yeah, it's from yeah, I believe that's the ultimate version or one it, it's it's definitely taken from the comics, but they used it prominently in I think it it's either the Marvel 2015 the new game and I think they even used that in one of the Ultimate Al- or Ultimate Alliance games. Yeah, and it's it's black, and there are I, I'm sure the DD will be red on the front, and there seems to be like red piping, almost like uh, it almost makes it like kind of like a tracksuit, for lack of a better word, like a little bit of an athletic look rather than a uh, you know like a leather look, which is cool. I'm good with that. I get that bright red won't work on uh, live TV. Well, yeah. and no, I'm good. And Denight, I think, has come out and said it's an evolution. So, like, they start with that, but he was very vague about what they moved to. I assumed he meant they start with the sweatsuit with the bandana around his head and probably ended up getting to what we saw, but who knows at, at this point. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't real clear. He's being very vague, so I'm, it'll be interesting. But the, the one bit, it's funny, as, as I was watching the trailer, it's, it's not... It's it's somewhat close, I think, to the to the Carnahan bit we saw. I mean, not obviously not quite that gritty, but definitely not a lighter tone that we've become accustomed to with Agent Carter or Agents of Shield, uh, or even uh, you know some of the movies. But when they cut away at the end of the trailer to like the the Daredevil logo and it says you know a Netflix original series, but then they cut to him with his it, it's all the floor is all wet. And his face is like slammed against the the floor or the the ground, and he pulls away, and you see like the blood and the spit like pulling away from the ground. I'm like, Johnny M is in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, seeing the tone of that, I could definitely see how, you know, they said it's going to be its own show. It's in the same universe, but we're not going to see any of those um, cameos or tie-ins to the, you know, the movie or Shield. And and I can definitely see how 
that kind of thing would not work in this show. You know, you can't, you're not going to see, I don't think I'd want to see, you know, that Agent Coulson cameo of him driving by in the S.H.I.E.L.D. truck or whatever. It just, it just wouldn't fit in the tone they're trying to, trying to build, at least not what, what they're trying to sell us in that trailer. Yeah. I really like that they didn't show us the Kingpin, you know, front and center. Um, yes. They show him from behind looking at some art, I think. And then later on, they show Matt Murdock sort of in the foreground. And uh, the Kingpin seems to be walking towards him. But it's it's out of focus in the background. Yeah. Right. yeah. That was cool. Um, I like that they're giving the Kingpin some, you know, some mystery. I also love that they're... Certainly, the trailer would lead us to believe that the religious undertones are going to be really big, which yes. is a big part of Daredevil. So. Absolutely, and that was something they, said, they asked and was answered early on if his uh, Catholicism was going to be part of this, and so very much so. Yeah, it's it's a huge part of this character. And the now, granted, we haven't seen final product yet, but it, it seems like they may be taking an interesting approach with the powers. Um, or his senses, I guess I should say powers, however you want to want to think about it. But it was a lot of like we see things almost from his perspective, sort of, where like in the periphery there's a lot of blurring. Um, it almost looked at one point when he's about to bust in on whatever's going on in that uh, building that he holds his hand up to the to the door, and then you start to hear what's inside. But they don't they don't do the and I'm. I think I'll be totally fine with this because sometimes that could come off cheesy where they do the almost wireframe look or when they do the crazy sonar thing. Um, yeah. It, I, I actually enjoyed the, the sonar effect they did in the in the movie. Um, I thought that actually played really well for what they were going with. But I like the, I liked the, uh, the tease we got in the trailer for what you're saying, Russ. You know, again, what he's focusing on is was in focus in our view. To me, peripheral, it, yeah. it like draws you in. You know, because yeah. if you see it visually where you get the wireframe or the, the, you know, the whatever the graphical representation of, is of how he perceives the world through his his abilities, you're just kind of watching it and go along. But when you can't see what what's going on and he just, you know, puts his hand up and you start to hear it, I, I don't know, there's just something about that that just draws you in. And then when you're looking at the trailer and, like I said, that, that you kind of get the blurry around the edges and then the center seems in focus again it kind of it, it's leading your eyes in that direction too so it's it's kind of a a cool effect i'm curious to see if if that's truly how it's going to work or if they're going to incorporate some special effects but again it, it it serves two purposes one way i think it's it's an artistic choice but the other i think it it helps you save on some budget you know where you're not having to um you know to do all that cg work and you could focus on you know, probably telling, you know, better storytelling or, you know, obviously the, the location shooting because they're doing this all in New York is not going to be cheap. Uh, so, you know, better, better, in my opinion, to spend the money there than um, have fancy whiz bang power set. And then it's shot on the back lot in L.A. Yeah. And we got a quick look at Foggy, quick look at Karen Page and very, very quick look at the Night Nurse. Yeah, and a, and a quick look at Stick, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Who is definitely blind. Yes. So they are uh, holding true to that. And that was cool, too. I, I heard something from Stephen tonight that apparently he knew Damon Lindelof, and I guess after, uh, I guess they wanted to use Sonny Chiba um, for Stick, and apparently they just couldn't, it just, they just couldn't make it work. And 
so he knew Damon Lindelof, who's the producer on The Leftovers, the HBO show, and saw Scott Glenn on on that show and wanted to reach out and, and see if he'd you know, do stick. And he actually called Lindelof up and said, hey, are you going to be shooting The Leftovers during this time period? And Lindelof said no. And he said, okay, we want to approach Scott Glenn for this, this character. And apparently Glenn was just like uh, all on board with doing it. So that's, that's pretty cool. Nice. He fits really well. I mean, he almost yeah. uh, he almost yeah. looks like the comic character, you know, like it was meant to be him. Yeah. So far, I like what I see. Yep, it was a good it was a good trailer. How long do I have to wait? Uh, Just over two months. Two months. All right. So staying on the the Netflix train, well, we got some images of uh, AKA Jessica Jones. It looked like I, I saw a uh, clapper. That that had uh, a scene on it with the title. What is it? Uh, Violet, and and that the the code name of the show, Violet, that was out there. And not the <clears throat> clapper that turns the lights on when you clap or off. Close, different clapper. Yep. But we get got to see some uh, shots of Kristen Ritter walking down the street. Uh, we'll wait and see. I, I, I she didn't look quite as wafy. I don't know if that's a, if that's a word. If not, I'm I'm gonna use it anyway. Uh, in that in that shot, so I'd be curious to see uh, what's going on. But they're obviously filming that show now, so uh, you know. Again, I I think it's probably looking pretty promising that we'll get AKA Jessica Jones by uh, the end of 2015. So if we can get two shows a year, I think I think that uh, that'll be a nice nice uh, role. And the more I hear them talk about Daredevil, the more they keep saying season one, season one. So. I think at least internally they're feeling like there's some you know they're they're happy with what what they've got and they're hoping that reception will be positive uh that they'll get a, a another season to it so and the faster we get Jessica Jones done the faster we get Iron Fist That's right on the movie side I guess we'll stick with the TV side uh it looks like for Agents of Shield that uh they a new casting has come out so Luke Mitchell from the show The Tomorrow People, which I don't, I haven't watched The Tomorrow People. Um, I think it was canceled after one season because I think that's where Robbie Amell, Stephen Amell's cousin from Arrow, came in uh, to to be Firestorm on Arrow because that show was canceled. And then H two O just add water, and the only way I know that show is my nieces stayed with us for a week uh, last summer, and they watched that show on Netflix, like, marathoned it, and it's some tweeny mermaid show about something. But he's going to play a character called Lincoln, and apparently he is an inhuman, and apparently he's going to be working with Skye to help understand her, the, quote, true extent of her transformation. Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, an inhuman that we we actually don't know from the comments, so it's a new character to the the show. Yeah. Or or at least as they're going to lead us to believe, like, you know. So so was Sky. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of figured that any Inhumans that we see on the show would not undermine the movie and be like Black Bolt right. or Medusa or... So I don't know. I, I guess there... Are there a ton of Inhumans in the comic universe or... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah. it's like mutant level, like there's tons they have to choose from. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. So in in the comics, there's like a whole city of them. Uh, you know, Adelan isn't just those group of eight or ten. There's there's a bunch of them, but 
now in the comics, after they did that whole Terrigen bomb thing or whatever, there's like Inhumans popping up everywhere. So, but that but that's a more recent thing than a than an older thing. I mean, within ever basically since the end of Infinity, which right. came out last year, but you could basically substitute substitute Inhuman for mutant, and I think for the purposes of the MCU, it's kind of synonymous at this point. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I saw a uh, an interview with Clark Regg talking about the mid-season finale and that, and he was talking about Inhumans, and you, know, you can almost tell in the, way, the way it was, uh, the, qu- the quote was written, he was either struggling with it, or he finally just gave up and said, they're basically mutants, and they just have these new different abilities. And I was just like, oh, no, that's, you're not supposed to use the M-word. Somebody's going to get a phone call. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I think the last bit of news that I have is a little bit of Guardians 2 news, uh, which isn't much, but, but I guess... Uh, James Gunn was guesting on a podcast, uh, and he mentioned that some of the questions from the first movie will be answered in the second movie, namely Peter Quill's father. Uh, There are going to be a couple more characters added in, uh, some of them very important to Guardians and uh, possibly important to the MCU as a whole. So that's interesting. So uh, there's been a lot of speculation about who they might bring in. And lastly, he talked about his decision for who Quill's father is, and I'll, I'll quote what he said here. He said, it's different than what's in the comic books. Peter Quill's father is somebody different in the comics. So then when the movie came out, we got green lit on the sequel right away. I went in and I sat down with those guys, and I'm like, okay, here's what I think the sequel should be. And they were like, oh, whoa, that's risky, but okay. Now I'm, gonna, uh, now I'm going to turn over the story in a few short weeks, and we'll find out how well it works. So... I don't know what that means, but it sounds like he's got something pretty bold planned. And and given that it's that bold, it sounds like it's something that we, there's some connection that we should know or a direction that would maybe tie into what's come before. The one thing I've heard consistent with Guardians, though, is that they want to minimize the direct connections towards the Avengers and Earth. You know, they don't want to be locked into that. They want to use it to expand out the MCU not just another tie point to to bring it back in. So while there might be something that's going to bring us back to Earth on the periphery, the bigger story should take us more out into the galaxy. So there might be some inhuman stuff. There might be some Infinity Stone stuff. But in the end, it should be something even bigger than that. Yeah. But all good stuff. I guess we'll have to wait until May the 5th, 2017. Yeah, it's nice that it uh, that it heated up a little bit. It was uh, it was dead for a little while there, and we really didn't get any big Super Bowl, you know, reveal trailer, um, whatever. Yeah, that that was interesting. So, do you, do you guys think maybe part of it is that brand is so big now that they don't need to spend four and a half million dollars for a thirty second spot to tell people about a movie that yes, everybody and their grandma is going to go see anyway. Yes, period. They that, they don't need to. That's that's what I was thinking. Now, granted, Absolutely. if the Super Bowl was on ABC this year, I am sure we would have seen something just because it wouldn't have cost them that much money because it right. it's all you know funny money. But uh, but for them to outlay that much money on another network, I, I just I mean, and look what we saw. You know, NBC had the Super Bowl this year, so we saw you know, Fast Seven. I think there was another Universal movie. Uh, that we saw, which given that Comcast, you, you know, Universal NBC. Jurassic World. Yeah, Dr- oh, Jurassic World, right. Uh, again, Universal, so. Terminator? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who's. Seems like those rights change every 
time there's a new movie, somebody else is producing it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, th- I think there's absolutely no reason for them to have to have done that. And considering they just released another internet trailer or a teaser, I mean, there's something fairly recently. There's just no need to uh, have spent that money. But I don't think there's any need for GoDaddy to put out a, a Super Bowl ad every year either, but they still do. But that's like the only ad they put out. So, Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's that's pretty much all all we have on news. So I guess we can get to the episode, episode yep. five, The Iron Ceiling. Something new. I was actually very pleased for this episode. First one that really got me engaged uh, to, this, to this point, so, something we haven't seen before. Yeah, and if I could just jump in quickly, um, I had to watch the last two episodes back-to-back because I was traveling and stuff. And so then I didn't get to listen to much of the podcast because I hadn't seen the episode yet. I did not like last episode very much. I don't know if that mirrors what you guys said. The one before, yeah, the one before this one we talked about. You mean, yeah, the um, Blitzkrieg um, button. Yeah, button. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it got extra silly. I don't know off the top of my head, like Howard Stark coming out of the oh yeah ladies' room with like lipstick on his neck and stuff. Like I just thought it got pretty silly um i didn't care for that one so much we we enjoyed it um but i think for both of us certainly for me um dotty was the highlight and that's why this one was so good to me yeah yeah I, I think that one ended strongly and led into this episode well and i'll leave it at that i don't want to retread any of the stuff you guys talked about but but and this one pretty much picks up where the last episode left thematically where the last episode left off i mean we we get the crazy Russian training camp of, you know, female spies that they're breeding there. Um, and it was very, I mean, again, very much like mind control, you know, repetition. You could tell that everybody, you know, they're, they're teaching them English. Um, the fact that they had the girls handcuffed to the bed so they couldn't get out, but yet they didn't yep. seem to mind it. Um, the fact that Dottie gives the girl bread um you know shares the shares the bread with her yep and then you know two minutes later is told to break her neck and kill her and she does it yeah. without giving it really much thought at all no but you see the conditioning that these girls are going under to the point where when we see you know older Dottie, she again rips the bread in half and offers it to uh to carter it's like a reflex to her at that point probably yeah. i i really like the way that laid out because just like you said russ she she shares the bread and then she breaks her neck and now she's sharing the bread with peggy yeah, yeah. and it's like foreshadowing almost you know right. like we know we know what's coming or where she's coming from you know but the most the most intriguing thing is i'm watching this whole thing russ is as we were talking about the previous week the the connection the the bigger implication you know it's all connected to uh, of course black widow you know is this the precursor to the to the program that she came out of you remember when she was in um in the avengers and she's uh, trying to get uh, banner into the back into the fold you know we asked about it as a girl you know you start them start them as children it's like i i was right you know this is this is what this is very much what um what Natasha was going through was was as as a child go this this level of training you know we get this peek into into this russian culture and it helps us uh, with the timeline too because that's one of the things i i guess inadvertently helps us with the timeline because that's one of the things i was curious with the avengers is she talks about you know soviet russia or there's been a lot of talk about soviet russia and given that Scarlett Johansson is, I think she's still in her late 20s, you know, in 2012. 
and the Soviet Union pretty much dissip, you know dissipated in 1989, you know 1990 that that range, you know when the when the the Union fell apart, she would have been you know at that point very very young, uh, and and seeing that the training camp and we have these young girls, it, it fits in that the Soviet system would still be around back then, and I mean you know granted. The, you know, Russia still has spy programs and things like that, and you know, we went from the KGB to the FSB. But, uh, but I, I just thought that was interesting that they make a big deal of the whole, uh, or they they've tied her to that, and then this kind of shows that the Soviets had programs training these young girls from a very you know for early age, and it reminded it, it, it. So two things kind of crossed my mind as I was watching these bits, you know, because again they make it look like an American schoolroom with the blackboard and they're, they're watching Snow White and everything's written in English and, uh, you know, it just it looks like an American setting. Um, is I don't know if you guys watched that FX show, The Americans. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. It's, it's, I mean, next to Game of Thrones, it's my second favorite TV show on right now. Um, but very similar. Actually, I was thinking about the old John Travolta movie, The Experts. That, that was number two. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help but... Uh, even though thematically the two are, are polar opposites, I still kept thinking about that movie with Ari Gross and uh, John Travolta. Yeah, I couldn't remember the co-star's name. Yeah, yeah. It's funny yeah. when uh, in this episode when the girl stabs Dugan in the chest and then escapes out the like air vent or whatever. I w- I kept thinking of Johnny Dangerously. It's just a fucking kid. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a better recall than ours. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Because he was, like, annoyed by it more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah she, she's, like, if she's anything but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was almost expecting, and I, I made sure to pay attention to it this time as well as last time when they, uh, or uh, in the promo images I saw, was to see if there was, like, a little, you know how the girls had on their uh their uniforms. It it was some sort of symbol. I was I was looking to see it if was, it was it was a black widow and it and it, it wasn't, wasn't. No, yeah. it wasn't. Um, but again, they all had the same uniform. They all had their hair the same way. They were all. I mean, everything was just like completely regimented. So I think I thought it was creepy, but but well done. And let me ask you this: has has Black Widow's program ever been known as the Black Widow program? Like I always assumed that she was just Black Widow. That was her code name. Uh, I, th- I think, you, I think you're right, but I, I haven't read That's, too too much where they've started to kind of retcon her as being frozen and unfrozen over the years, like they did Winter Soldier. So I don't know right. if they've incorporated that in their, uh, in the in the books. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard some. I haven't read a lot of stuff that features features her like focuses on her. Um, but I thought I, re- I read somewhere, or maybe we were talking about it, that there was a Black Widow program, and that's what we were talking about, that she's a, a part of this. Um, but but otherwise, it's always been, yeah, that's been her code name, and that was the end of it. They might be trying to flush it out more now, though, with her being such a focus in the uh, in the Avengers. Sure. One of the things I noticed was looking at the newsstand. Uh, I, always, I always like to look at, you know, bits of paper and you know things everywhere just to see if that gives you any clues or how well they're tying into the to what's going on uh, at, during the time period uh, and so one of the papers had a headline of um, uh, 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 Cosa Nostra influence growing so 
again, kind of, you know, the, the mob itself had been around for a while. I mean, you know, we had the era of Al Capone and all that kind of stuff. But kind of like as we get in towards the 50s, it becomes in the 60s and 70s, it becomes more of like the mafia that we know from, you know, from The Godfather and from, you know, Goodfellas and, and you know, the, the Scorsese stuff. And, you know, a lot of that is, is pulled. Well, I mean, Goodfellas is pulled from real life. And there's a lot of things from The Godfather that are that are kind of fictionalized versions of things that really happened during that time period. So it's kind of interesting that they're acknowledging that in this as well. Um, and then there are two other things uh, that that caught my eye. One of them was uh, the headline said, Mysterious Crime Boss Death uh, Baffles Police. And so I was thinking that was probably Mr. Mink. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And then the other headline was uh, Missing Woman's Body Found in the Woods. So I'm wondering if that was – I couldn't remember what they did with the body for What's-Her-Face, the the roommate. No, she was in the obituaries. Okay. All right. That's right. Peggy, Peggy was, re- was reading it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So that didn't that didn't really fit. Okay. Now, the exchange that Peggy has with Jarvis is interesting because they had a similar exchange to this in the previous episode. So at first I was kind of thrown that – in the next episode, they would both kind of have this back and forth about Howard, uh, uh, you know, and it and it's the whole bit about, you know, in the last episode where she, you know, has the, uh, you know, she's taking lunch and she's, you right. know, she, you know, Jarvis basically says, you know, they'll, they'll never respect you, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, at least I know where they stand. You know, when they order a sandwich, they it's because yeah. they want a sandwich. Uh, and this exchange is a little different. She's a lot more confident and. She's a lot more – they both are a lot more harsh about Howard. I think they both know who he is. But at this point, Peggy is very down on Howard, uh, whereas I think Jarvis is always like, yeah, that's just Howard. Like, that's just how he is. You know, you're you're basically getting getting pissed off at him for being who he is, and you shouldn't take it so personal. And, uh, you know, he kind of makes the similar comment at the end about them respecting her and this time her comeback is that she's going to change that, that, you know, so she's, it looks like found like another round of courage or, you know, just kind yeah. of decided that, you know, she's going to start making her own luck instead of, you know, just letting these guys just assume she's the only yep. thing she's good for is getting a sandwich. Yeah, which well, she certainly follows through on. And the other side of it is, is that the the whole thrust of what the episode is going to be is, is going to refocus her on the mission at hand and uh so this reminds us about what where she currently feels about howard so that when by the time the episode comes and we, we get to where she is with howard um it, it, it makes a little more sense to us especially those of us who forgot about the last week's episode and forgot that she wasn't working for howard anymore at least not at that moment yeah you know i almost felt like they were the writers had reached the point that we had reached like, okay, enough of her, you know, being the sandwich girl and the secretary or whatever. She has the conversation with Jarvis. It ends off with, I'm going to show them. And then she gets real aggressive with her superiors. And then, you know, you get the howling commandos that sort of, uh, they, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not verify. They validate her right by saying what a great soldier she was. And, by showing the SSR guys how much respect they have for her. Meanwhile, the SSR guys really 
are sort of in awe of the commandos. Yep. Right. So it all fell into place really quickly is what I'm doing a bad job of getting it. Nope, you're right. The exact same thing I've been waiting for, especially with with Dum Dum Dugan, pretty much happened. And actually, it wasn't even Dugan who really sold the point home. Um, you know, but when she was able to walk back into the office and say, "Up, oh, I got the 107th," you know, let's go. And but just when you get there, and they all show up, and it's like, "Oh, hi, Peggy!" Like first name basis, full rapport right there. Yeah. But what really got them going. You know, he said, "Sold the point." Like you know, yeah, I, I was with Captain America, but not as long as she was. But when they're about to come up, when they come across on the on the compound, and uh, was Thompson right? He gives the uh, the orders. And, right, four groups and of two. Four groups of two, and then the one commando, he just like Carter, like question, like just goes to Carter. Are you? Yeah, he you deferred know, to her. Order, yeah. Defer to her. It's like you got a better idea, and she's like, you know, gives it. Yeah, I have a better idea. This is just dumb, and uh, doesn't quite say it that way. Uh, you know, but really put that into perspective for I think a few of them, and and of course then we finally find out what's going on with. Thompson's and he shows his true colors at the at, during the battle itself. You know, de- definitely a different. I'm not gonna say respect, but a different rapport by the end of this episode, um, at least on some of their parts. And, and in between, I, I guess before they meet up with the commandos and after the conversation with Jarvis, she also cracks the code in like a minute that nobody could crack. So oh yeah, basically tells him. Yeah, yeah, that's the part in the. Sh- I, I that's one of the. I, that was a very eye-rolling moment for me. I was like, wow, she looked at that for five seconds and was able to get it. I was like, eh. I mean, the, I, the, the code breaker didn't think to do it in Russian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that, that just was a bit of an eye-rolling moment for me. And, I mean, I get it. You're, you know, you, you, that, that's not the point of the, the story to dwell on it. But it was just like, wow, really? In five seconds, she's able to crack that code? <laughs> Any other commandos that we've seen before? No. So that that was one of the things I noticed too. Is so we've we've kind of got a new slate of commandos. Uh, now they're all commandos from the books, from yes. the comics. Yes. Pinky but Pinkerton, no, they, Happy yep. Sam Sawyer, uh, Juniper Jones. I believe no. So. Maybe I don't know. But yes, they're n- none of the only Dum Dum Dugan is from uh, First Avenger. Right. Right, and almost like they did, like a, I hate to, I, like a like a, a replacement, right? I mean, you know, we got the, the, the you know, Pinkerton is. Yep. Bottom um, line is, you got the most recognizable one. Right, 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 right. Um, but it, it, the, the interesting thing is, so after the first Avenger, we were kind of thinking that that Trip's grandfather was Gabe Jones, but now it's possible that. Um, that Tripp's grandfather might have been Leonard Roberts, or, or uh, uh, the actor's Leonard Roberts, uh, Happy Sam Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, which That's is, who it is, yeah, okay. Which is, which is possible, but now that um, poor one out for old Trip, it doesn't, it doesn't much matter at this point. At I, this guess, point. I guess not, no, yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Um, and now, we, st- we still don't know uh, which one of the uh, original Howling Commandos will be Peggy's husband. Correct. Correct. And we had casualties... Um, in in yeah. in this episode, we had yeah. uh, one of the commandos, and then uh, one of the one of the SSR, one of the SSR guys uh, that didn't make it back. Yep. But it, and it still held true because the war's over, so 
even though a commando was killed in action, it wasn't during the war. And I think that thing with right. at the end of uh, or the exhibit in Captain America: The Winter Soldier just mentioned that uh, you know he would, that Bucky was the only like commando to die combat. yeah to die during the war. So yeah, that's still fit. Um, you know, one of the big thing with uh, with Thompson was his uh, his whole battlefield. Um, uh, manner was not consistent with um, what you see when he's back in the back at home in the field. Yeah, you know, you know, between his uh, his nervousness on the jump, his reluctance to tell the story about his Navy Cross, and then of course when he when he just freezes up during the firefight, um, all of it makes sense when he tells the full story to Carter at the end. But it gives a lot of perspective to how he, for me, how he's been acting to this point. Um, between the beatdown he gave the guy during the interrogation scene, just the general tough guy he gives himself, uh, you know, any other time of day. You know, he's definitely trying to uh, make up or something. But it really put a fine point on the on the uh, interrogation with the drunk, you know, the whole uh, not everybody came back from the war looking for a hug. Yeah. You know, he's suffering his own um, PTSD, um, his own life that he's trying to fight through with what happened to him in Japan uh, or in the uh, Asian theater. Yeah, and, and his almost is more guilt than it is anything oh, else. Oh, yeah, no, you know. no question, but still it's, it's still his own his own trauma that he's got to carry. But as he said, he's been trying to tell a story since he got back, and he, you know, as Carr said, he just did. You know, but I, I don't think he ever really said, other than that moment, how, what kind of real battle experience he had because he flat-out froze yeah. during that full-on firefight. And it was Carter that, you know, and, and he copped up to it. Carter saved a lot of lives. You know, he, he, he admitted that to, uh, to Dooley. And yeah. the firefight had some especially bad uh, CGI moments. Yes, it did. <laughs> uh, the, the ricocheting bullets that were sort of just kind of like flashes of light on the metal. And uh, I guess when Dugan broke through the wall. Yeah. That was, that was bad. But it's TV. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's an eight-episode eight, uh, series. I mean, yeah. You're not going to have a lot of time for, for, for full budgets. Yeah. They had, they had some big explosions to this point so far. You can't have it all. I, I do like the subplot that we're getting with Dooley, where he's starting to try and figure out what's going yes. on. He's not buying. He's starting to not you know completely drink all the Kool-Aid with uh with what's going on you know he's starting to, to see that there's something there's something else going on and when he meets with uh, john glover's character uh he kind of expounds a little bit about what happened at Fennell and that uh you know there are all these bodies that that were there that stark came in he ended up punching a general they got into a big fight and then at the end of it stark basically rode off the military and said i'm done so it kind of leads us to believe that that the military, the government, wh- whoever wanted Stark to do something, either use an invention for a specific purpose or appropriate some technology or do something, and he refused. Uh, and so now this is kind of like, you know, there, there's there's some conspiracy going on as to, you know what what they're doing with why Stark is being set up the way he is, and that that right. it's not just 
mixed up identity, that it's not just a, you know something like that, that it's a little bit more plotted and planned uh, and not just on the, Levias, the Leviathan side. I think they've done a good job of fleshing out these characters. I mean, it, it took a few weeks, but Thompson's not one note anymore. Dooley's not one note anymore. You know, Seuss has been kind of, maybe you thought he'd be sort of, uh, you know, an admirer of Peggy the whole way, and now he's sort of turning in a different direction. Yeah. So there's there's some good character work going on. Yep. Yeah. yeah I'll tell you something with, uh, with Seussa. He's doing a great job of putting the pieces together and figuring out who the blonde is, but I've got to give more credit to the... Um, to the writers, we should have figured how figured this out long before Sousa did. They made a point in that very first episode of showing us those bullet wounds on her shoulder. Yeah, that we should have picked up long ago that her shoulder was exposed, and that would have been the key to figuring her out. And it, the other cool thing about it was they could have taken an eye rolly cheesy. Oh look, she's changing in the men's locker room, and they trick the man into seeing her undress. Uh, you know, and it being kind of like a very cliched, tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. And they actually worked it in to having Sousa help figure, you know, have him yep. help figure out, you know, that Peggy is the woman from the photo. So I, yep. it was one of those things where you first see it and you're like, oh boy. And then when he starts piecing it together after the fact, you're like, oh, that was pretty, actually, pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely kicking myself when when they did that. I'm like, oh, they because they did they made a big big production of showing us her getting shot and then in turn showing us the showing us the actual scars. So that was that was a uh, good foreshadowing on their part for us. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that it went to that reveal because I didn't buy him coloring her hair in in the uh, previous episode. I didn't think that was going to be enough for him to get all the way, but I, it certainly had him on the on that trail. Yeah. And what do you think about the crazy Charlie Manson looking Russian scientist guy in the jail? What was going on there? I mean, Grant, we, I, we got the first bits of uh, Project Paperclip, but was that was that any of those names that you recognize from anything ever in comics or otherwise? No, I was expecting Ivanko, but I know it wouldn't make sense. Or no. well, we've seen him already, so yeah, yeah, it was just like weird, and then they show a blueprint that has the Stark Industries logo on it and they talk about this Hawk reactor like one of the things that Peggy Pe that Peggy deciphered was the Hawk reactor and so I'm wondering if that's like early prototype early workings of arc reactor and that maybe maybe yeah. that's what that blueprint was for but you know they made a point of not showing all of it um, and then they end up bringing instead of the you know the obviously the scientist gets killed they bring the psychiatrist back, who I guess is familiar with what they were doing there. But I don't know that whole that whole bit just seemed strange. Like it was like the facility was completely abandoned, and I know they were just trying to set them all up, and it was all just to to, to draw them out of the woodwork. But I, I don't know. It, it, there was just something off with with that, and I can't I can't really put my finger on it. It's almost like I felt like I'd seen it before. Because of the Russian scientist with the blueprints, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it felt like it should have been Vanko, but like you said, we know him already and in this timeline, etc. But it was almost like so similar to that, you know, that corner of the MCU. And then we get Dottie cleverly getting the key from Peggy and then snooping around her room. 
Uh, Ke- catch catching the uh, the string for the uh, yeah yeah that was that was good yeah and obviously with her kind of training she'd be on the lookout for something like that so that yep. all that all made sense uh, and the fact that she found something and it looked like something important uh, made her not dig deeper so she didn't obviously didn't look behind the picture to find the the I, I was the blood for that yeah. Um, so I don't, which makes me wonder if Peggy purposely hid that so that if somebody found that they would stop looking. I, I don't know. Um, and it wasn't clear. I guess there are pictures. I took it as they were pictures she took of the recovered. Uh, they were the they were the pictures she took with the pen cam. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Because they were like crates. They were developing those in the previous episode, right? Or yeah, but there were also pictures of crates and things like that that. Probably the same scene, the crates of when, of when they were found, as it was taken before they were trucked away, all that. Right. Uh, but it looked like she was looking for one crate in specifically, it seemed. Yeah. She was, uh, yeah. So it would be interesting to see what that is. Uh, it'd be it'd be interesting to see if that's... Uh, well, I guess that had SSR written on it, not Stark, so it wouldn't have been the the obelisk. No, it wasn't that they're looking for. No, no. Um, this, is, this is Leviathan, not uh, not Hydra. True, true, true. Uh, one of the things, so I I went back and I finally did my homework uh, that Brad assigned us many weeks ago, uh, and I watched the one shot. Ah, okay. Yeah, and so the ass. yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> so the spin kick where the guy goes through the window that they showed at the beginning of the first episode, that's definitely from the, the okay. one shot. Uh, right. There's no question. Uh, huh. The interesting thing is it at the beginning of the one shot, the de- the, the station she's at, she's been there for three months. Um, and it definitely is one year after uh, the, the end of Captain America, the, the first Avenger. So I think we kind of theorized that, that Steve went down somewhere around April of 45. So this is probably like April of 46, uh, maybe May of 46. Um, and I can't, I can't put my finger on if, if we've gotten nailed down a timeline for the agent Carter TV show, but, but without any question at the end of the episode, when, uh, Bradley Whitford answers the phone. It's definitely Howard. He is definitely in charge because uh, his agent Flynn kind of puckers up a little bit when he no- notices it's Howard on the phone. Uh, and at the end, he definitely says, you know, like we said before, uh, he he says that um, uh, that she is going to head shield with uh, with Stark. Uh, and, right. and even makes mention that he wants he tells Flynn he wants Peggy in D.C. to meet with him and and Phillips. So this show, unless they're unless they were just using that as like a test pilot and plan to just kind of throw it away out of continuity, this show has to take place before that that one shot. Oh, agreed. That's yep. One of the things that was interesting, though, is they make mention of her um decipher you know being like uh, uh one of the things she was a specialty for at the beginning of the episode was deciphering codes and, and things like that 
Right. Uh, and so after watching this episode, I was like, hmm, so maybe maybe the chronology does fit. Maybe this is, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's how this will end. So I was, anyway, I'm, I'm just curious. And maybe we're just reading too much into it, but uh, I, I, I just, it'll be curious to see if, the, if this, like I said, just completely ignores it or if this, if this shoehorns in somehow. Well, we've got three more weeks to find out. Yep. I didn't think, uh, looking back over my notes, I didn't really have anything. Oh, I love how she kept calling uh, Howard a wanker. I thought that was yeah, that was funny. And, of course, she's British, so it sounds more awesome than me saying it. I didn't have anything else in my notes. That was that was it. I don't know if you guys had anything else specifically if you wanted to talk about the episode. Uh, I like how even as an adult, Dottie still puts her handcuffs on before she goes to bed. Yeah, that was creepy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And no, uh, what's her name? No this Angie week? this week. No Angie. Yeah, we got Angie next week, I think, though. That'll work. Miss Martinelli. Yes. Yeah, that's that's all I had. Do we want to do ratings? What what do we think about this episode? I I'll go three point five for this one. I would have been lower for last week. Um, I like this one. I probably liked a couple of earlier episodes a little better, but uh, I'll sit it in at three point five. Yeah, I'm going to go with 3.5 as well. Most of it in, in been in the threes for me, but this is a 3.5. I will give this a 3.75. So I've I've given all the episodes before this a 3.5, so this one ticked it up a little bit for me. Uh, mainly, I I really like Neil McDonough, and so seeing him back as Dum Dum Dugan uh, was, was a treat. Uh, and just the fact that they're starting to kind of get away from the tropes and – they're starting to again. We're starting to see Dooley wake up. We're starting to get more depth with Thompson. Um, you know, Peggy's starting to gain the respect. Uh, that to me, that kind of raised the bar on this one yep. for me. I tell you though, I'm I'm glad I did enjoy this episode as much as I was because I mean, while I still am, I was really looking for starting to look forward to Shield coming back. But um, this this definitely kicked it up for me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping we get a nice little three episode run. Uh, to finish it off with, and it just uh, has has nice resolution to see where they go where they go with this. Uh, and I, I still stand in that. I don't think it's bad. I think it's not for me. Right. You know, I I know a lot of people that are having a lot of fun with it, and they're probably hitting a little more of a female demographic, and it's fun, and it's got laughs, and. That's all great. I hope it gets the second season, but you know it's not my cup of tea necessarily. Sure, I, I know ratings wise it hasn't been doing that great. I mean it's it's definitely under the two range, and I guess last week when it was on there were, it was up against some reruns, and still it it kind of down ticked on the uh, on on the the ratings. But apparently, again the DVR and the and the plus seven ratings are very very strong. You know, like uh, Agents of Shield level strong. To where it, it gets like in the 3.0 range, nice. Uh, you know when it hits that mark. So, again, from a momentum point of view, it definitely shows, uh, you know that that there's interest in the show, that people do watch the show, um, and I think some of those numbers. I mean, while the plus sevens don't, and you know, we talked about this before, but the plus sevens don't do anything for advertisers. But I think when it comes to like the Netflix and the the Amazons and the Hulu's and the Crackles and the you know whatever else is there are out there i think it helps up the ante on uh on bidding for 
you know, for rebroadcast rights for it, um, if they could show that level of interest and that people would, you know, binge watch it. So, uh, so I'd be, I'd be curious to see if this is just a one episode, you know, one season experiment, or if if they decide to give it a second run, or if they decide to try something else completely different for next uh, next season. I'm, I'm I'm really curious just to see, uh, you know, what the scoop is. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Three left, and it's three straight weeks, or are three we up against? Weeks. Yeah, three straight weeks. Three straight weeks, and then right into Agents of Shield. Yeah. Cool. Then we're on a roller coaster. Yes, we are. No stopping until uh, until end of May. Six weeks to Daredevil. Another month or another few weeks to Avengers. And yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good ride. Yep. And we'll have to come up with uh, some sort of plan to lay out for everybody about how we're going to we cover keep saying Daredevil. It. Every week we keep saying that. Yeah. Yep. It's a teaser, Ken. That's what they call it in the business. Is that what Get that is? To come back for more <laughs> to find out next time on this show. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to It's All Connected, episode 47. Uh, if you want to leave us an email, you can do so at IAC at HHWLOD.com. Uh, check out HHWLOD.com, where we've been fast and furiously posting all kinds of goodies not just mcu related but uh, you know all kinds of comic related news movie related news um and of course you know as trailers come up for specifically the marvel universe stuff we'll be posting them up uh having screenshots articles and analysis on on said trailers and and previews uh so definitely check all that stuff out uh you can check out our facebook group at uh, facebook.com slash mcu podcast you can follow the twitter at mcu underscore podcast uh and check out our youtube channel uh where we've got all kinds of cool stuff uh going up there ken has been graciously um putting up uh, all of the the it's all connected shows uh on youtube so if you if you want to check it out uh there instead of uh listening it from audio if you just you know have youtube somewhere and just want to play it while you're doing other stuff uh go to youtube.com slash hhwlod podcast network uh and you can check out all the cool stuff not just that but uh you know other trailers that we post there other videos uh we've got some unboxing stuff i think i'm going to be doing a couple more unboxings coming up shortly uh john and i have been kind of playing around with an idea in the hopper uh oh the hopper the hopper <laughs> uh shut up <laughs> uh for some other little short uh, really short video stuff so keep an eye out on uh on all that uh mainly the website and the twitters uh for for more news on all of that um, so until next time you've been listening to it's all connected